2: Peaches are back in season and I love a good squeeze.
1: I'm still not the man I hope to be, but it could be worse. I could be Martell Hope.
2: (laughs) I mean, I mean. I mean, I mean, oh, my God, you guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode, I think, 100. No, I just said 109. No, it's not. It's four hundred. Okay, we're in the fours now. <laughs> I'm a little extra zesty, guys, today. Um, and, you know, it's it's Andy's Girls. And I am so excited to be joined by one of my favorite people literal minutes after some breaking news Atlanta style hath come down. So I think we have a couple things to talk about. And this is the perfect person to deep dive. You know Michael Arsenault as a New York Times bestselling author whose credits include I Can't Date Jesus and I Don't Want to Die Poor. And I know him as one of my favorite guest co-hosts. Michael, welcome back to the People's People Zoom Kiki Couch, etc., and whatnot. How are we?
1: I'm good for a play. Well, the plague is over. Uh, Can you? I- <laughs>
2: <laughs> we need to have a new. I'm good for a something.
1: You know, a burning nation. Um, I close my legs are closed to married men in honor of Miss um Miss <laughs> Berman. Oh, excuse me, the uh, formerly Miss Berman because she wants her name back. I saw that. She wants her maiden name back. Good for her.
2: The artist formerly known as Kim zolciak Bierman, Guys, literally, I just texted Michael Arsenault five minutes ago, and I was like, oh, my God, because breaking news, Kim Zolciak, per TMZ, is or has filed for divorce from Croy On the heels of some financial struggles, looks like she listed April 30th as the date of separation, so literally like five minutes ago, between her and Croy. They were married for 11 years and had four kids together during that time. She said she's filing per TMZ because the marriage is irretrievably broken with no hope of reconciliation. She's asking for primary, fiscal custody, and joint legal custody. She also wants spousal support and to legally restore her maiden name. And TMZ also mentions that Kim and Croy owe $1.1 million right. to the IRS in unpaid taxes, interest and penalties from 2013, 2017, and 2018. They also owe the state of Georgia 15 k and who knows what the fuck is going on with their heavily mortgaged home in Georgia. Michael Arsenault, what's your reaction? What are we thinking? Do you have thoughts?
1: Where she's going to get the spouse's support from with all that money they owe in taxes. Now, look, I am... A, my, my, my tax... I, um, I, I'm a cross between Bernie Sanders, I get it, and I hate W-9, life, burned it all down. So <laughs> on, on one end... I do feel bad about them for that text yeah. that at the same time, like, um, I guess I am I'm not to say shocked. Um, I haven't thought about Kim Zosiak this much in a long time. I'll say that.
2: Yeah. Cause I um,
1: sh- I was not interested in her really making an appearance. Um, Sheree is on a plan. However, I'm a little peak now and I actually did read in page six. They already jabbing her. They were like, she must need the money. That's why she's in the trailer. I was like, to him. <laughs> um, I have to be honest with Croy, I don't think a nice ass is worth all that because if, did I remember this right? Didn't he bring a? didn't they think he brought a gun once to the reunion or something crazy?
2: I don't remember him being armed. I, I remember him standing guard.
1: That would it man, I, I don't want to get sued. Um,
2: I what, he, who's going to sue you?
1: That's Croy? true. Well, you know what? I got I got to I got a cease and desist. Oh, that's what it was. And it was 2011, okay. One time Andy Cohen did an interview where he said he was relieved that production made sure that Croy kept his gun, open carry, in oh his car God. when he got really heated at that reunion. That's what it was. Um, I sent us on a journey, but yes, that's what it was. I don't know, Croy was a lot and he the fact that he always drove her around and mm. he couldn't be left by herself, that creeped me out. Respectfully, I didn't watch the spinoff so maybe they have a lovely Report that I missed, but um, Big Papa didn't give her tax problems. I'll just say that.
2: No, he just gave her a car. I mean, Big Papa was Big Papa. Wait, what you just mentioned that you were sent to cease and desist was that by? uh, Oh, wait, I feel like I know this. Oh, no, that was
1: earlier in the year. It was some football player accused of fraud. Um, And my editor's response was, I'm surprised this is your first one. I was like, oh.
2: There's nothing quite factual over here. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, from a, you know, um, fair and balanced perspective, I have to say I am genuinely shocked. But I mean, we're just I literally just read reading off that TMZ. I hadn't been able to read it all of the way through before (laughs) we started recording. So I was like, oh, this is new. Um, Or it's nice to know exactly how much money they owe. But listen. It is. I don't doubt the veracity of Kim filing, but I have to say if I'm being totally honest and, you know, this is the space for that. I did immediately think of I'm going to fuck up how to pronounce his name. It was like Micah. I want to say Micah and Peggy Tanoose on mm-hmm. Orange County who were happy in love and he had all this money, whatever else. And it turns out. He didn't really have money. They filed for divorce or whatever, but stayed together. And I always kind of got a feeling that that was in some way a way to kind of shift some of the financial stuff so that maybe she wasn't obligated if they were no longer together. But seemingly, they never really split. I don't think they were ever formally divorced. And I just, I wonder because of the financial stuff with this. I just wonder a little bit if there's a little bit of that. that.
1: I could see that from Kim. Kim's not dealing with those burdens. She doesn't give me, I wanna deal with broke people problems. She's like, this is the whole point of the, yeah, you could see that from her. I See don't a little that.
2: in her cashmere collection monthly box drop or whatever didn't she like she like came out with boxes or something, but they didn't ever actually
1: yes it Are was they the white wrong <laughs>
2: <I> mean, <laughs> that was like a little bit of like I'm gonna buy a baseball hat and then never get it sent to me um there's a little bit of like uh Oi Kim never really found her footing of not I can't say really, but like of late because they did have that. Spinoff for many years. I saw episodes, but I wasn't like musty TV. And then at one point I just absolutely stopped watching it.
1: I really never watched. Um I was literally just talking with a friend when the word came. Um and I thought he played longer in the lead than I actually thought he did, because my friend is a lot more. He's like, no, Croy hasn't played in a really long time and he wasn't there that long. So, because my assumption was like, I, I would assume Kim took all of that spinoff money, just put it to the side for a day like this. But, Mm-mm. no, she's probably been carrying a big amount of the load because he doesn't play. I mean, Kim doesn't, yeah, I. <laughs> she's not white Robin and Ron. She's not dealing with that. So, what does he do?
2: I mean, he drives Kim around. He was in the NFL for whatever span of time. He did not make to my recollection and i haven't googled it again today so this was going off memory of forever ago he did not make a big salary while he was there i want to say it was in like the maybe hundreds of thousands which guys not that i'm going to turn that down but when you think about their cost of living expenses and probably a significant debt that they've been carrying because of the cost of living and then take out the Atlanta check and then take out the Tardy for the Party check. I don't yeah. know. Maybe they did kind of minimize their standard of living, which was always wackadoo because of all that designer that shit. Either.
1: Oh, are we going to be burdened with Kim on next season? The Divorce Club with Drew, <laughs> <laughs> Kenya TBD. Well, that, that probably won't happen with them too, but yes.
2: Okay, well, then that does. I do genuinely want to know, like, what would your thinking be if she did who knows where she is in her life, like plus this whole like divorce Michigan. Yeah. But like, would you be open to that? Do you think it would hurt the franchise? i mean, we're we're one episode in right now.
1: I have to be honest. Uh, I mean, I guess I'm curious maybe how the dynamic would be. But ultimately, I don't need to seek him. And from memory serves at the last reunion, it got a little racial and she sounded pretty borderline and how she was talking about the um, the way her black female cast members felt about her and how she cared and she did not respond well. And her response was to cry out. Uh, that's exactly what happened because Croy was mad at Andy too. They all yelled and in fussed at him as if she were the victim. So the idea of that returning doesn't excite me, but I guess maybe that could be tucked in. Um, I could see Kim. I'm gonna say the only OG that's not Sheree, and Sheree is I'm very on and off about, but she's bringing it so far. Um, I really only want Nene back. The other OGs I don't miss, and since that's probably not gonna happen, maybe. But I don't need Kim. But I'm curious to see maybe how she interacts. It wouldn't be the worst thing, but I don't need Kim because it did not end well in 20. It was 2016, right? Which was not a great. Whenever that hole with her, but it I do not it didn't end well. It was, it was a little too racial for me. I was like, all right, Kim, you walking right up that line and I don't need it.
2: Kim's one of those people that like, it's like a very special watch what happens where they're back on watch what happens. And it's like, you hear for two seconds what they're up to and what they're up to is usually that they're doing even better than they were on Bravo TV yeah. and they're holding to it. And then whatever else like game throwback stuff and it's a fun episode but you know I think that that is where anyone who's interested in hearing more about Kim's story could get you know like they could get that information there not necessarily with her returning because of the charade of it all I do think that Kim would help exacerbate a divide that we just really don't need to see on Atlanta.
1: I know she yeah she can make good she can make good TV I will give Kim that but I just I'd have to see how Kim actually would fit in the group now because I will say I was really really happy with this premiere I did go in with low expectations but I'm very pleasantly surprised by the Atlanta premiere and I actually feel like we're gonna have a strong probably the strongest season in a long time. And so I'm curious to see how Kim would potentially fit in that. I'm not like an immediate no, but like, I don't need her. But I do really like the premiere, and I don't want anyone messing that up. If anyone can come back, it could be Portia. I don't know about Kim. Um, but Kim could shake it up a little bit.
2: Well, I mean, Portia was a topic of conversation when Kenya was on Watch What Happens last night. Mm -hmm. And Andy was kind of fishing for a little bit of some shade. And Kenya was like, listen, like, maybe we've had our shit or whatever, but we're good. And I there's something there's nothing I liked more in my life than seeing Portia and Kenya bond as new mothers finding their way and like. Being able to maybe not trust each other entirely, but having a point of genuine mutual respect where yeah. there could be a little bit of affection put on top of that, where it's like you can maybe have a little joke, get someone's whatever, but it's cheeky. There was a cheekiness that didn't feel like there was a weighted darkness underneath it because yeah. that's existed before. and. It could be nice to see them back. I was very happy to see Kenya speaking of, of Portia positively. I was surprised. Yeah. And she actually did
1: a separate interview I saw where she, I forgot how she said verbatim, but she did say, would Portia come like, back, yeah, that'd be great. Plus, you know, I I miss having somebody to fight with, but she smiled in that very playful yeah. way. To your point, I'm like, Portia, I think would although she, She wasn't as great on Girls Trip as I, to everyone, as, because Portia of Family Matters left a really bad taste in my mouth, Mm. and on Girls Trip, I thought she was funny, but then paired with Giselle, the devil, that was not entertaining, but I think Portia back on Atlanta will bring out the best in her as a TV personality, and I really would like to see her in Kenya and see how they actually develop and actually, she gets along really well with Candy now, too. I've seen from like the Instagram sometimes what Candy does, eventually, she'll go and through Shamia. I feel like that would be a nice way to bring back some of the energy from like the peak seasons with the new wave that they're on. Because um, I don't know if saying it's going to make it, although I'm really into Ross. <laughs> I'm very into Ross.
2: <laughs> so you're saying he was worth $100,000, Suarez? Yes,
1: Ross was worth it. And, um, and thank, I will say kudos to Sandy because that last party, I did laugh at dry um bee patties. Kenya made me laugh. <laughs> um, and you know Kenya's not my person, but I'm actually starting to to see it. I'm still blocked on Twitter, and that's fine. But
2: Kenya, Kianse, twirl, babe, twirl to that unblock. You're good. You're
1: good. She can twirl over there. I'm fine, but she <laughs> she's good on the show. I last season, I'm like she actually was my favorite, which is sad how low we reached.
2: So I I have a question for you about the Ross uh, empire dynamic because a, a significant part, or it, it felt like there was some meat to the scene and the conversation between story, yeah. Sonia and her family now that her brother-in-law is working for her and her sister seems to, there's some like tension there. How much of that tension... Do you attribute to growing pains as the family is like living together? You have people who are a bunch of people in this beautiful space, but all together without having a, a second to breathe, potentially separately on their own. How do you kind of unpack that? Do you think that is potentially typical for the environment that, they're, that they've assembled, that they've created? Or do you think this is something that's going to. Turn left really quick, like what was your reaction to that?
1: My main rationale that's too many damn people in the house. um <laughs> I see that sometimes from certain families, particularly families that come here, but I usually don't see families still live that way at that presumed economic level, even if it is a big house. That's just best basically three different families in one unit, and maybe that could be totally fine in of itself if that's how you live a lot of families like that. And that's not there's there can be a beauty in that. But I do, I will say if everyone is economically tied to you at the top, and it seems that a model that is now changed because you're no longer like an active Olympian. And then she does have that broadcasting career on the side. I mean, on the side, it's pretty, it's NBC, so it's great for her. But that's a lot. For me, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I actually thought it was interesting how Ross who I think he's like a model husband, particularly from the flashier franchises in that I don't think he wants to be there, but he will participate to make his wife happy and he'll do just enough. But I actually thought it was interesting, me, when her younger sister, you're in her house telling her at her in her house that she doesn't have boundaries and this, that, and the other, even who might've been a little legitimate claim. It was the, the tone in when she took it. Mm-hmm. I could tell the way Ross smiled and just excused himself to go tend to their son that he was like, um uh, Because I think we saw in the previews, Ross is the one that mentions like, this is too much. Um, I feel like that's too much around Ross. And I feel like we need to all work to make sure Ross is as happy as he deserves <laughs> based on the way he looks and carries himself. But I mean, I don't know. I, I, it'll, it'll be interesting to watch, but to me, I think that's just too many people eating off of one person. And I do think Sonia, um, am I saying her name right? I always say it.
2: It's but, I, right. but honestly, her sister during this episode, because I watched it a second time, called her both Sonia and Sam. Yeah. But she did refer to her more often as Sonia, which is, it's it gets confusing in my um, brain because I think Tanya yes. and then Sonia. And sometimes I get them confused in pronunciation.
1: It was, I just, I, I don't know. I, when her sister actually said something like, Sonya is used to being the center, or however how she said it, and that's no longer the case anymore. I just feel like that dynamic might have worked for them in the past, but you can just sense from that, from this, those things alone, like this is too much. It's too many people. Also, it's too many people dependent on one person who no longer even works at that level anymore. It just seems like a lot to watch. Also, I don't want too much family drama on my TV because I'm already exhausted from New Jersey.
2: Oh, well, you know what, it, what I found really interesting with the premiere episode, again, we're only one episode in, but I was like, this is so refreshing to me, even mm. when, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, but like, even when Candy was at a 13, when we needed her at a seven, like just for the <laughs> spirit, like, yeah. I was just thinking like, you know what, the stakes here are that candy is gonna maybe yell at this woman courtney whom courtney paris and then we'll be fine like it's not necessarily like a familial crisis that's overwhelming that has too many of us far-reaching consequences for the you know previous structure it with atlanta i just feel like the risk isn't there in the best possible way. You can still have stakes. You can still have conflict, but it doesn't feel as overwhelmingly toxic, which I love. Yeah,
1: I do too. And honestly, I sometimes think the last few years Atlanta was getting a little too nasty, at least for me. And it was a weird yeah. mesh of people who don't really have relationships. But I don't know. It's just I'm. And last season wasn't that bad. One my friends said I was too harsh on it, but man, I really just feel good about that premiere and where the season's going for that reason, they were really, everybody was funny and shady in the yep. confessionals, but it was just enough. Like you said, the stakes did not seem too high. I will say Courtney was chic and annoying, which is why she brought <laughs> in <riding> with Sharae. <laughs> but even, i about to handbook this bitch. You just felt like by next week, it'll be, yeah, I, I like that. It, it, it feels really true to form the way it used to be. Um, and I, I just with Sonya though I'm like that's just a lot of people. Good luck, girl. Um, I still worry about her. I like her, but I still wonder. I'm like you're an Olympian and you do NBC broadcasting. Why are you here? You're too. You don't. Do you want to be in this? But she does. She does. So I do think the family always carries her, and the kind of the way. I don't know if that's the exact same. Uh, I won't call her Melissa Gorgo. But I think like her, what she all brings with her helps elevate her as a housewife. Cause as of right now, I don't it's not only is cool, but I'm just like, you're you you're behind Ray, the wrong team, and your husband's fine and your family and you're Jamaican. I'm still trying to figure out what else is in the 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 gold medals. I didn't get a lot from her last season to make me really keep caring, I, I should say. I like her, but I'm like, why are you still here? Does that make? I'm still not sure was becoming a housewife worth it when she literally is like this huge, celebrated, like accomplished Olympian. So I sometimes wonder still is this is the pursuit of this type of fame really worth it? Because I don't think the audience really responds to her well so far maybe I'm reading too much into it but I just I don't know I'd rather be the Olympian than that that like the flopping housewife not say she's a flop but I kind of it ain't there yet for me it doesn't curl all the way over
2: I mean, for her, maybe she's thinking, you know, I've been at the top of my game professionally yeah. with athletics, with, um, you know, sports journalism, with being a, a correspondent or a commentator. Maybe she's thinking, like, there is another aspect to my life that I haven't tapped into. And if her brand is Sonya Superstar, that can have bring a lot of value to mm-hmm. any number of industries. That's why professional athletes after they retire it's like a whole new opportunity opens up to pursue different forms of business or being an entrepreneur or working in strategy in some ways and that can be because another part of their life or interest wasn't seen you know every Sunday night or whatever I don't even know what sports air Sunday like afternoonish or something or like Mondays maybe alternating Thursdays couldn't tell you but like There's the possibility of, like, opening up this new world. And also, I'm bringing a lot of value here. How many Olympians are there, let alone Olympians who might have tangential connections to a universe and world that can be incredibly profitable, especially if she's... Working, depending on the language used and it's important, but like working with or supporting or however Mm. you want to look at the family aspect, I would think a significant stream of income with a lot of financial potential that extends her celebrity and her brand is not a bad idea.
1: It's not a bad idea at all i'll just say so the party was a nice step up but last season between those t-shirts and that shoe and that party with the the b patties can get in like i hope the she rises to the occasion more with this season to kind of mass maximize what i still think are kind of risk but yeah maybe i'm being too hard on her i do love her husband and i don't dislike her i just am like why are you here still? I, that's the only thing. I'm, I'm going to give her time.
2: Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. When my nasal allergies flare up, and that happens when the season changes and the temps get a little warmer than they normally are, I use Astapro, and I'm amazed at how fast I'm back in the game. And that game is, looking for Duranda on the Upper East Side, Astapro always has my back and nose. Now it's easier to manage PMS with EstroControl. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony and EstroControl, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. For AGs who are friends of perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause, That's happymammoth.com and use the code Girls for 15% off today. I'm engaging. I just came back from the salon and for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. <laughs> Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy and that's why I love way whey. way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time <laughs> with Wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells unbelievable. Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels dot icom and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com with promo code Andy.
1: Um, I don't need the other one already though. Courtney can go, but I'm, I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, I'm, I mean I'm she's kidding, not kidding, really kidding.
2: that here's the thing. Please, who are we gonna offend? Courtney she's yeah, too busy Courtney. packing for Paris. Um also Courtney reminds me a lot of myself in like the six months after I get back from a trip where I'm like, oh yeah, I was talking to somebody. Oh my god, where was I? Oh my god, I was talking to somebody. The Eiffel Tower, maybe is <laughs> it has like literally nothing to do with anything but I think I was I was Sending an email, and it's important that you know that I was emailing somebody from inside the Musée D'Orsay. Is like right. that's important for me to. When I'm talking to you about like if I ordered socks on Prime, like it's just like it's so annoying, and I find a kinship in that that I'm like, but I hate, I, but I also hate her. Like I, I think she's great. She's probably going to be super annoying as a friend of, and I'm here for it. Yes. But it's just like you, you're coming for. Candy, what are you doing, babe? Like, aim lower.
1: Is she a friend of boy? she? Did she get up? Is she a housewife?
2: If she's a housewife, that is an April Fool's joke for 2024 that Bravo started early. Like, that is there is. No way that she is, if she is, if I have literally no idea what I'm talking about. I know because I was telling you, I recorded a new app uh, for Dylan, our pal Dylan Haver's yeah. podcast mentioned it all, which you guys can listen to now. But we were talking about the Atlanta premiere on his pod earlier uh, today when we recorded. And I think he mentioned that they, that Courtney had a cast, f- like an individual photo. And I was like, Courtney, she did. There's yeah, Courtney?
1: she does. She does.
2: I guess they're giving them away. I don't know. I mean, she
1: really went for it though. I mean, cause that whole I was like, so basically Candy heard you might be added to the cast, asked a few people, who is this? Which I got confirmed on Speak On It. I went to go listen because I needed to know. Um Oh
2: my god, on Speak On It. What did what did Candy say?
1: Candy was just saying essentially that she heard that she might be joining the show. So what they do each and every time a name pops up, they ask people, do you know? Then they go look at the Instagram and then they ask questions. And essentially that Dina was her name. I guess Dina did not know her and it became more than what it was. That's what I kind of gleaned yesterday. I was like, wow, Courtney really turned this basic thing into one, a reason to stunt because she was in Paris, good for her. Mm -hmm. And then in three minutes got... Candy ready to headbutt her I'm like oh you you went for the moment she wanted a moment and she got it um probably why I gave her that picture but it was a lot I was like this doesn't seem that deep but okay let's just see how this goes
2: so I got a little bit of an energy from it and I don't know that this is in any way connected and certainly the personalities aren't but just in terms of like a weird start and then looking for a connection or talking about a connection that might not exist. It did give me a little bit of Nini Phaedra energy when Phaedra was like, <laughs> we went to school together in Athens and Nini was like, I don't know you. And Phaedra was like, we know each other. And Nini was like, no, I explicitly have no fucking idea who you are. Like it gave me a little bit of that tension of someone trying to like, Hitch their wagon to yeah. the center peach, regardless of whether or not they actually knew each other, which is a big fucking regardless. That's it.
1: Yes. That's exactly what that gave. Yes. She picked the right target. I just, yeah, it was. And all of, like the, like, well, you can't see, but like the head bopping. I was like, now nah, you know that you cannot, especially a black, you are not going to be able to bop your head like that in Atlanta, an Atlanta a, a true Georgia peach that is not going to translate well. Like, you know what you're doing. It was, it was a lot, but it was interesting to be continued. Um, cause that <laughs> poor Ross,
2: listen, he's still going to have a great fucking 40th birthday, but yes. the worst possible idea I would think is to come anywhere near close to candy, let alone at candy with any kind of level of passive aggression because she's not going to accept it. She's literally going to meet you at the door and be like, you can't enter here with this. We're going to have a problem. I'll see you outside.
1: And she's going to let her know all season long she has a problem. I actually laughed like hell when she called out Moneta. Yeah, because I was mad at you. Candy candy forgets nothing.
2: The memory here is going to be interesting, especially talking about relationships and things behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. The energy about Candy and Todd, I, maybe I'm the only one, I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. And then when she's doing the Candy cry where she's so upset and she's so mad and her body like rejects tears, so she has to fight it as it, you know, comes out. I just was honestly very surprised.
1: I was surprised it was that bad. Yes. Um, but in the back of my mind, I went, oh, Mama Joyce was right no, again. No, we're
2: not. We're not accepting that energy. I won't I, accept
1: I it. kinda I kind of do. Okay, so I want Candy and Ty to make it. I hope they work that out. I hope Candy finds the right balance so everyone. I did feel bad more. I felt more bad, more so bad for Ace and Todd. Mm. I think with Todd is, you knew who you married. You pursued who you married. You don't seem content or at least happy with where you are. I feel like you're in competition with your wife sometimes, when you. You, I think ultimately he kind of objects to the idea of that he's, quote unquote, Mr. Candy. And I kind of, and again, maybe I'm wrong, but it comes off as that he's insecure about something he should not be insecure about. And if you are going to be insecure about that, you should be mad at yourself because you knew who you were marrying. And maybe it wasn't as conniving as Mama Joyce made it seem, but ultimately, like, you know, you hit the lick when you marry Candy. A lot of this that you've been able to accomplish is through your connection with her. And to your credit, you create a lot of businesses with her and you've expanded together. So if you knew what it was, you married into it, you pursued it, married into it, and you've been able to build off of that, which is, I'm sure, what you want in addition to loving her, then why can't you be content with where you are? And why can't you just, not to say you can't have ambitions, but like you complained all last season and season before that and the season before that that Candy's not as available as you would like, yet here she is in front of everybody and you Mm -hmm. into this script, which you're getting this movie off the ground through her connections anyway. So why are you mad and pouting on TV and making her look like the bad guy? Mama Joyce sometimes maybe needs to watch her tone, particularly at BravoCon. That that probably didn't help, but she was. Well, I read in the, the, they posted at one of the future episodes that's coming, Mama Joyce's BravoCon comments
2: what? I don't even remember Mama Joyce at BravoCon.
1: She said some little 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 I forgot exactly what it was, but it was a little oh like little, little 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 zing at Todd okay. that maybe we didn't need. And it was end up being televised on one of the Watch What Happens Bravo. So it was like, ooh, oh, maybe no. not. However, I I feel a way about him making Candy feel bad about being as ambitious as he already knew she was. Again, like Ace has more reason to be like. Mommy, I want you here because Riley warned her about that. I will say that. But the Todd thing, I don't love. And it's given what choice was right. Maybe not. She didn't say it the best way, but. Mm.
2: You're making so many interesting, excellent points. And it's with Candy and Todd, it's like the difficulty and tension, I think, comes from as you've said, the fact that the relationship is never going to be apples to apples, the power structure and opportunity and time is never going to be equal. And they have partnered before. And I was thinking like, wait, have they partnered before, but it's only been in candy projects, but they've developed stuff before. But like he essentially owns the restaurant you know, area of their business, not to say he has more ownership, but just to say like that is something that he seemingly project manages and really stays on top of one of many things that they've done together really successfully. And I just wonder, I think from Todd's perspective, maybe he's thinking, like, I've supported you in so much that you've created. Now it's your turn. And I'm just thinking, like, that's not how it works when the power dynamic and time opportunity, money opportunity is never going to be equal. You can't just say, I supported you in that thing we did together. Now it's your time to support me as, 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 Lovely as that might sound, especially to Todd, it's just not, I hate to say it, but it's like deeply unrealistic. It doesn't mean she can't support her husband, but from a capacity perspective, I think that's an awful lot to put on top of her, on her rather, on top of everything else.
1: It is. And honestly, she supports as best she can, including lending her name, likeness, and all, like allowing money and allowing her into things that she already had going and extend and adapt and check. Like, I feel like in that case, she's doing her best. I'm not in the day to day. So, clearly, maybe sometimes in terms of time management and a relationship, that can always be negotiable, yeah. I think, between a couple. But the crux of his complaints and him pouting and stuff i'm like all right todd you knew again you knew what you knew who you married and you knew who you pursued like leave us alone but Um, just because
2: you know that someone just because you know that this woman was a superstar doesn't mean you can't chafe against some of that superstardom it doesn't mean that there can't be a tension that exists but that doesn't mean that he's going to get what he wants
1: Right. And I guess the reason why I keep going back to you knew what it was, because I just feel like in some ways sometimes it feels like competition, almost like a little jealousy. I don't know what that is exactly, but his his motivation seem to be mainly driven through ego. That's kind of why I was just go back to that point. I mean, yeah, like if you're not present, you need to be around. Like I, I need support, too. You can communicate that, but it's just the way he's doing. I'm like, all right. Um, don't, like when she was crying with, to Kenya, saying he's making me feel bad or he's trying to make me out to be the one that's wrong. I think in and no, and that way, like she's trying to accommodate, she heard you, you didn't change. You wanted on your schedule exactly, but until you were saying like, she's a lot busier, she has more things going on. She tried to meet you halfway in that instance when you complained, it wasn't enough. And now you're in front of the family, the kids, which you also have complained to her about, and she's present and now you're disengaged pouting in the corner acting like it's the worst thing in the world because it's dinner time. I just, I didn't love the way that looked. Maybe that'll shift and change, but it just seemed really ego driven. And it's like, get over yourself.
2: What do you think is the difference here or the intersection in which ego meets up with toxic masculinity? How does that, how do you kind of measure the two?
1: I think um, to the Mister Candy kind of, I mean, no, he hasn't said that. That's kind of what it comes across. It was sort
2: of placed upon him. Yeah,
1: I think um, a lot of men are trained to think of themselves in a particular role, especially in terms of like a marriage, and particularly being married to a woman. And I think if you date, if you if you're with a woman who already before you met her, kind of is beyond those tropes and stereotypes and arrangements. Unless you've had some type of conversation, we all communicate like these are the kind of roles we want. I think you kind of have to adapt as your relationship makes. I just think sometimes men need to let go of this idea of that, like unless they're doing this or unless they're doing that, that they're not on equal footing. It takes a different mean you're equal in that you. You're both in this relationship together. You both create this family together. You're in a marriage together. In terms of money, titles, positions, work, and all those things, unless you already, if, if you want a, a very specific type of relationship, then you should be with a very specific type of woman who wants the same thing. If that if you're not me, if that's not what this is, which is not with her case, it's like. What are you going to keep doing, allowing yourself to be unhappy because you have this hang up about, and I'm not saying all the way, I don't want to project too much, but like a lot of men are hung up on what their idea of what makes a man and what makes a successful man, what makes a successful partner, what makes a successful husband. It's not necessarily, and it doesn't seem that way with Candy to be just solely financial. Candy wants a man that's going to work, going to produce, going to create things, going to help expand our empire. They already have all of that. in a lot of ways he's been what a lot of other men would not be able to deal with, but at the same time, he still seems to be sometimes trapped in this of like, I gotta create this to be this, or I gotta, I'm ambitious too, and like, don't let that get in the way of what y'all are already building together. Like, let go of this idea of which, again, what you think us was how a man should be. I think a lot of men, regardless of their sexuality, are very stuck on a very because I mean, a lot of men, unfortunately, is defined by like money and success and all of that but like you have to fight that and for me anyway you have to really fight that if you truly want to be happier particularly again you're in a relationship with the woman at person as ambitious as candy yeah, I think that that ambition between the both of you should be encouraged but within the country there's a relationship like again like you knew what the partnership was and it seems like they do communicate about what they want to do together so again why be hung up on something that just doesn't bring you both happiness because i don't like to see her look unhappy um because i know she loves husband todd and i don't know my man my man my man i do miss nene but (laughs) i just (laughs) i don't know i just i can tell todd is holding on to something that he doesn't need to hold on to just let it go communicate that you need more time with your wife but like don't go out like this I, i i feel like he can do better than that
2: Yeah. And I think providing looks different for everyone and the kind of providing that Candy is looking for from Todd, Todd might feel is not enough. He might be thinking, listen, am I meeting my wife's needs? I might be, you know, at X period of time, but that's not enough of the way that I want to provide for her and the Mm -hmm. way that I want to provide for myself. Like as an individual, I want to be providing this opportunity and hopefully success but as you said a part of that is ensuring that Candy is a partner in this so that has an inherent conflict because you want to drive this but you're not allowing her to provide you with support you want her active role and what happens if that right now is not available. And she's also looking for you to provide for her in the ways that matter most for candy or in the ways that we have seen her express with time, with attention, you know, right. some of the more emotional components, although all of this can become very emotional, very, very quick.
1: I'm rooted for them though. I want that yeah. hot, the, the short love, the hot pockets to make it. I'm, I'm rooting for them. I say that affectionately, by the way, I love a hot pocket.
2: We love a hot pocket and there was heat in other areas from the premiere episode, most certainly in trying to figure out what the fuck Sheree is up to with her new toxic boyfriend. And I'm so curious for your thoughts on this, both about their dynamic and also sort of Kenya's pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to, like fuck with it <laughs> I just
1: want to say I watched Love and Marriage Huntsville so I'm familiar with Martell and literally the juxtaposition between the premiere and the night before where Ooh. he's being thrown out of, of his ex kids birth because he, as his ex-wife communicate you're not supposed to be there we have different Martell on because Sheree's already come up on Love and Marriage Huntsville
2: oh has she I've only seen clips
1: Yes, she comes okay. up, I think, on, like, because uh, I think this is the second half of a season. She came up okay. on, like, the premiere. Um, Martell is um, <laughs> an attractive man that people like, who slings his dick around, who will probably always get away with certain things because people find him attractive. I'm more like, Kenny. I'm like, you might be lo- nice to look at, but that is actually all a repellent. But I actually think he's still hung up on his ex-wife um, so the Sheree thing, um, I wouldn't say, I think, cause I think, and I watched, Candy kind of misspoke. I don't think she meant opportunist. She meant when they did, like, it's a little thirsty. Mm-hmm. Um, Sheree is a beautiful woman. I don't understand her at all. I don't get why she thinks it's a good idea that the website for her fashion label, that it took 17,000 years. To get up, crashing on the first night is a good thing. I don't understand her choice in men. Um, I really don't believe that relationship. I think they might have fun with each other, but it gives storyline. You don't
2: think that Trey really wants to be with him?
1: I think she likes, I think she enjoys his company and other things. I think she likes to look at him. Okay. But I think. Maybe they have a mutual attraction, but this honestly seems more about like clout, blog coverage, narrative device on um, Atlanta. I kind of just don't really believe they're like, because she's saying we're dating and he's publicly saying we're friends or some variation. Mm -hmm. I don't know where they really align. I think they kick it. I don't take them really seriously as a couple but it's interesting to watch on TV. Um, I don't believe it, though. And Martel is this... <laughs> also, I can't wait to see next week because something tells me he's out, he's out of his depth. <laughs> and these Atlanta women, particularly Kenya, are about to let him have it. And the audience. I don't know if he's ready for the Bravo community.
2: I don't... You know, it's like, is he ready for it? Is he aware? Yeah. I think he Do you, you believe be... him? I-, I believe that... Sheree has genuine feelings for him and okay. i think that Sheree carries with her a lot of beliefs and she's less interested in being uh, she's less interested in being aware like with Sheree and she by Sheree and Sheree and dating she to me to borrow from Kim Zolsiak, Ney bierman it feels to me a little bit like Sheree does do the ask believe receive where she just puts that energy out there, and she doesn't match it with actual active work. She just believes that, like, because I have a great brand, it's going to work out. And if it doesn't work out, it still worked out because I said that out loud. Like, even though every step of her launch last season was very sloppy and the results were not great she still carries with herself the belief that because she has name recognition, that's all she has to do. Like as Candy said, she's not interested in spending any money. She's not interested in having like professionals involved. She just thinks because she is a fashion show without fashions. And I think she carries (laughs) that ethos. I don't mean that it isn't. So I love but like, (laughs) and yet um, I, and she carries that, into this relationship with this man where she's like well he hasn't treated me like shit the weekends that we see each other so I guess that means he's a great guy all the time and it's like babe that doesn't make sense
1: yeah okay you know what I will I will I align with that I think okay, yeah I don't think she planned this out or anything but um I yes I'm in Sharae's mind I don't know about Martel but yeah, in Martel. Mind, I don't
2: think yeah,
1: she does enjoy him. But in sh- generally speaking, she doesn't think things through. And more often than not, doesn't usually have to because even if things don't work out the way we would want them to for her, she still does fine. because personally, I still cannot believe that Shiva is not a popular athleisure line carried in major stores. And she's not a celebrity trainer to the stars and doesn't have like workout DVD and stuff, but you know what? She got her chateau built with all all of that. So she doesn't have to, but I just, yeah, she doesn't think things through. Uh, (laughs) Watch her date. These dumb dudes. I, I would watch that spinoff. I pray about it. But yes. Um,
2: the Sheba Sheree price point was like psychotic. It was so stupid. Nuts. It was so, it was, she would have made so much more money to price it at a, re, to me, reasonable level for what you're getting back. It can still be inflated. She's it's Sheree. Everyone does that. every, Bravo Leb, who does don't get me started on Dorinda Medley selling $40 mugs. Like it doesn't make sense, <laughs> but someone's gonna get it. But for Sheree, she's like, we'll add a zero to that and make it a tank. Like it just you, sweetie, you would have done so much better. I can't wait, we just called Sheree, Sweetie. That's so obnoxious of me, but I mean that as a sign yeah. of affection. Like she would have done so much better had she had someone counseling her but she said she may Sheree actively does work she works against herself
1: she yes that she does i have a compliment to Sheree though i really thought she did great on the premiere because i've been on the fence about whether or not we still really needed Sheree. i don't need the mm-hmm. bones and she doesn't and she doesn't really give a lot of her real life but she was very funny yesterday in the confessionals i can see they got her on twitter working hard or she's. <laughs> you I, I can tell she wants the show to be a success. And yes. based on what I can still glean from interviews she does, I think she wants to be able to carry the franchise in a way that Nini used to because she really just does not see it for Nini. I remember reading the book in like little interviews. she doesn't love she does not love Nini, and she actually thinks she is as good an o g as Nini is. She does Ooh. think that Sh- Sheree has a very. I love degrees. that that's for Sheree.
2: I don't agree with Sheree, but yeah. I love that. I love I love that Sheree's a specific personality, but I wouldn't put her. <laughs> she thinks Mala's very highly
1: laugh. of her contributions to the show.
2: Oh. Well, good for she, her. Someone should. Yes,
1: someone should. That, that that's why she's so adamant about bringing back the other OGs for the season, and she wants more of the OGs. Her whole give is there are more OGs than Nene leaks.
2: Well, I mean, I do want to get your thoughts just to shift a little bit, even though there's a whole lot more we could say about Atlanta, but I just need to dip. I mean, I'm dipping out. I, in the words of uh, Sandoval, I, I just need to dip in a little bit on New Jersey oh, yes. with you. Okay. Because a lot is happening. There was that scene of um, Louie with the, you're being miked. Oh, I guess I got to play pretend. I just want to get your thoughts on, where you are with Judice, 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 V Gorga, or anything else?
1: Um, that scene didn't, I guess, look great for either one of them, but that was also after months of them inviting the couple to other things and they turned on camera and off and they didn't go. So I could see why, and maybe at that point, even if it didn't look great on camera, and that maybe that's why Louis took that attitude. Um, I do find Louis strange for multiple reasons, still, um, and I can tell he is really into being in the mess. Okay, my I'm tired of both of them, but I do think, um, particularly here, a lot of people probably want to read some more. When Joe Gorga is exactly like Teresa, if not a bigger monster, I don't understand this. I find him jealous of his sister, and even if everyone is tired of talking about it to death, the fundamental issue has always been they went behind Teresa's back to get on this show, they risked their family relationship for fame, they made that choice, and whether or not it's right or wrong or anybody else to do it, yada yada, I think for Teresa, fundamentally, if they had at least acknowledged that in some capacity, would that make her left? Cause she has plenty of terrible ways herself. And I can imagine talking to her is like a damn brick wall for many times with Melissa. <laughs> I get it. However, your husband is another brick wall. And I do feel like Melissa and Joe covered a lot of Teresa's success that always has. And that's always been this underlying tension between them and whether or not it's right or whether or not she does things wrong they're just as sneaky and conniving, if not more than she is. And I really did not like that Melissa took the tone of like, I won't be that aunt. Because I will say about Jersey fans, the minute you see something on the show, on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok, they will run up the clip of Melissa and Joe doing the exact same thing. And in many ways, because shout out to the Jersey fans, Melissa's actually been a lot harsher towards her niece's than teresa has on antonia remember when she said she wouldn't like want her kids to go to the same school as teresa's daughters for fear of being bullied she insinuated that those girls would bully her antonia she said and then i heard the other podcast i listened to namaste bitches gia was saying how melissa blocked her on instagram Auntie. I think is that was
2: after. I think that was after the whole Bahamas thing. Not to say that I, not to say that I support whatever, but I think it was because Gia comment. I'm not saying I'm not. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> supporting yeah. After yeah. Whatever, uh, like, just <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But like, Gia said like the whole like you're posting this. How dare? And then I guess Melissa was like block. Like I think it oh, was yeah. in relation to that. Not not saying I support it.
1: But when G explained that, I'm like, so basically, Joe showed up somewhere they know Joe GJ is at all the time, and then started filming it. He thought it was weird, and it ended right after that. They play a lot to the blog. They do the same things that Teresa do, like does. And what does this talk about Joe being the one that might have been involved with the whole? I
2: think that is. I, I, I want that to so be so stupid. Said. I need that, that to be fake.
1: I need that to be fake and stupid that he didn't do anything like that. I, I feel like that's a conspiracy. Like we're we're a little bit better than that, right?
2: We're not. I can never not tell with New that Jersey. family. Actually,
1: I, yeah, that's actually true. I was like, I hope not.
2: Teresa said that about Caroline for literal years until essentially like five minutes ago when she was yes. like, Oh, wait, just kidding. Um, I need to do an even exchange. I held on to my receipt. My receipt is my imaginary memory, and here we go. And I'm not even honestly critiquing yeah. Teresa. That's just like literally what happened.
1: But both of them are exhausting. Although I just feel like it's easy to make. I mean, I guess Teresa, I don't know. I honestly I I I just feel like people pile on Teresa, but I don't get why joe and melissa get so much especially when it comes to the kids there are actual clips of joe and melissa being a lot nastier to their nieces than her to him so for her to throw this i'm sorry i'm going back to the book i'm giving face
2: but that is literally that is one moment during and I'm not to say I'm not saying it was a good moment it's a bad moment but like we can't compare this with then like with like Joe talking to Gia who is at that point a literal adult. She's a young woman, but she's an adult. like I just don't think it's the same thing.
1: well, respectfully, I didn't like the way Joe talked to her then adult or not and mm. even if she got okay. out of a quote unquote child's place he takes a tone with women that is not very like, Admirable to watch on TV, and oh, he great. that same tone with her. Oh, I do not like Melissa saying, "My nieces looked at me like they have hate in their hearts for me." That she might have actually felt that way, but as an aunt, do you? And if you genuinely do felt you that way, aloud. is that something you say aloud? Is that something you say on TV? And you had every opportunity, even if it's some some estrangement there for you, because you care about how you look on TV, you could have used that opportunity to at least extend the olive branch on camera or not and done things behind this things. I just feel like they're nasty to each other. And in some ways, it's, I still feel Melissa and Joe are really no better, if not worse, than Teresa on certain things. Because I will say with Teresa, like there's still the essence of her, but and I literally, I worry about Louis and how that's going to go. But mm. I do think there is a difference. From Teresa this season. I can tell she's been in therapy. I can tell that she has tried to, and even if it was terrible how she extended the invitation, she's like, Do you wanna be in the wedding? Do you wanna be in the wedding? Do you wanna be in the wedding? She should have asked differently. I wish she had handled that better. But I do think, like, you one, you're both on this show, it's a production. Two, your family. If she's making it like coming, and I guess maybe I have to watch the finale to see what really made them both like, I can't deal with this anymore. Um, personally, I don't know why Teresa, I mean, I have to watch it, but Teresa's getting a lot of the fault for a rumor that Jennifer Aiden brought out on camera that Teresa did not bring up because old Teresa would have said it sooner to me just from watching Jersey over the years. She didn't, I don't know. Um, I guess I'm probably gonna jump for that one. But do you, I mean, I don't know.
2: I mean, I think the, Jen, I think it was like a collaboration. Jen said at one point on camera, she made sure to say like, I don't want to involve Teresa in this, but she believes the rumor. She told me, but I'm not going Uh, to involve her because they're both protecting Teresa. But Jen is doing her best to involve Teresa as passively as Teresa will allow Jen to.
1: Teresa should have gotten over that. Although I must say, Jen Aiden is a really good housewife. She's so funny.
2: She's Um, so funny.
1: I, I don't know. Um, she's
2: desperate, which I love. It doesn't mean that I like Jen Eden, although I actually don't dislike her. I just and I'm probably not gonna side with her on almost anything when it comes to like intra-cast conflicts, mm-hmm. but she's a strong housewife.
1: Jen does not help their relationship get closer, but I actually think Mars is just chaotic in terms of Teresa and Melissa being still on the show too. I think she kind of further I I'm not a big Mars fan. I um, Are you
2: not? wait you don't feel the same way about Marge that you do about Jen as far as like this is a strong housewife regardless of how I
1: um, um, feel about her or
2: does the feeling get in the way of that
1: I does the that feeling way.
2: take a place in front of potential respect
1: I usually felt that way about Marge but this season I She's been a lot. Am, she has been a lot and kind of really nastier than necessary for reasons that aren't just entertaining or move mm-hmm. story forward and there's this also like calling Jen Aiden a drug addict because she smokes a joint every day is really ridiculous. That was too um, much. That flippant comment to Danielle, who started off strong but also has to stop acting so scary when confronted. But mm-hmm. otherwise, she's she's very enjoyable. But Moir has a nastiness to her, and also you that whole dumb argument. I'm like, you wear it as a badge of honor that you keep. A pop, what it's, you're the bone collector of Jersey you enjoy this and you make a big deal out of it I don't know Marge's is really nasty this season um the season for me I was into it moving along as I will say I'm kind of ha- I'm looking forward to it ending and just seeing how the reunion are was. you but it's become not as ex- it, okay. it was fun and then towards the middle now we're near the end I'm like this is like too much. I actually really enjoyed the moments when Melissa and Teresa could be civil and actually really nice to each other. But I don't want to watch them argue for for the next couple of years. It's I'm I don't know how they fix that, but it's I'm exhausted. And Jen Aiden can only do so much. And good for the huh? <laughs>
2: There are only so many coffee grounds in the world, right? To use as a prop. Um, yeah. And d- the Dolores Polly stuff is great. Oh,
1: also Marge was a little race. Well, racist might be strong, but the after show when they were talking about, um, the Turkish tradition with Teresa Rachel F- uh, Fuda, Fuda. Useless. Um, what is she? Bravo girl. One, two, three, four. Is that what the fans were calling her? Um, huh? <laughs> okay. on the Jersey after I show, they're discussing, okay. um, the, uh, the, um, I think um, the Turkish tradition that they did at the Bachelorette for Teresa, right. I didn't love the way they commented on that. Races might be like extreme, but culturally insensitive to the point of like annoying. Even if you don't like Jennifer, like be a little better about how you speak about something particularly like cultural, cultural. just very obnoxious in that Jersey way I don't like. Um, I think I'm just, I'm done with Marge. Um,
2: wow, I am... I am so not not to say I don't uh, not to say that I disagree about marge going a little too dark and too deep with some of her cuts this season. Cause I think that's been pretty consistent for her this season. Yeah. There's been moments where I'm like, I don't totally get this, but I am surprised that you like really just aren't vibing with her. Yeah. I won't maybe
1: I right. won't banish her, but like, I am bored with this and I kind mm. of don't, I won't miss it if it's gone. I kind of don't know what they're going to do with Jersey next season.
2: Nobody does. I, the cast obviously doesn't. Melissa's come out strong and being like, LOL, I know that you guys are all talking about like what happens after I leave, but I'm not going anywhere essentially until they tell me. You know, like, So I, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe that doesn't mean anything, but...
1: I would just want to note, the worst offender, because I, I forgot about her, that's what she gets. Jackie is actually the most annoying and I want her to leave <sighs> because her whole behavior this season is I'm jealous that I've been replaced and I can't right. take it it's really obnoxious you're not that clever I was actually really happy about you talking about food and writing the book husband's still cute you're Mm. still rich I'm assuming you're fine Mm. but coming out of here like you just look thirsty sad desperate and on your way out and you're going out sad don't love it um she's worse than Marge for me now Marge has been a little too nasty but Jackie is like it's a little pathetic um
2: Well, I mean, speaking of the after show, so I hadn't watched any of the episodes until like this past weekend. And I watched like, I think like 15 because they keep splitting them now for views where it's like part one, part two, which is so fucking annoying. It's not clear if you're watching it on your TV, which is part one, which is part two. And it's just like, just do a 20 minute episode. Like, don't make me put in this extra work. I know that you're getting like more commercials, but just like add more commercials to the first fucking thing. Like, let's not do part one, part two for this shit every. It's so annoying. But anyway.
1: Inflation is ruining everything.
2: And inflation is absolutely ruining everything. That being said, there's a lot that I really appreciated about Melissa and sorry, apologies, trigger warning, but like Melissa and Rachel's (laughs) dynamics. Mm -hmm. But I have to say, now this is like a little bit of a like, ooh, where's the Easter egg moment? There's some interesting energy. If you watch a hundred of the different part one, part twos between Danielle and Jen Aiden, where you can tell Danielle is like ever so slightly trying to push back on stuff. She seems annoyed at points where where Jen mm-hmm. is willing to like do whatever it takes to be Tree's number one bodyguard. You can see what Danielle, like she gives looks at points, not looks to camera of a wink, but genuine like, I don't wanna be associated with this as hard as this person sitting next to me does. And I might not agree with what they're saying, it's very interesting and it makes me very curious f- for how this dynamic might work next season because we put them into these like, Danielle's on team tree and Rachel's on team Melissa. And Rachel and Melissa have a genuine, seeming like legit see it, relationship yeah. at this point, they have a mutual affection. Danielle might still have that with Teresa, but she's not having it with Teresa's spokesperson, potentially. And that, to me, is very interesting. I would like to see more of that next season.
1: She's probably going to make that smart pivot. I will um, Teresa is fundamental to the show, but I've heard you say this before, too. And Melissa, because she comes with Joe, too, just fits better overall. That's not but yeah, I I see Gia one day <laughs> becoming the first uh, housewife child to like take the mantle. Wow. But she'd probably be great. I mean, she's gonna be a lord. You know, she can do both. Um, she can do both. M- Melissa fits better with the ensemble, but I can't see them letting Teresa go. So I'm very curious how this goes. But I I did pick up on Danielle's sort of
2: tiptoeing because
1: because she's enjoyable I, I find her I think her and Rachel actually are both nice additions to the show mm-hmm. um but this balance this split casting cannot keep going on so I'd actually like to see them more it felt like they were trying that at first and that kind of just mm-hmm. blew up really quickly but you know I did notice that about Danielle and honestly it's just Jen Aiden that really because even Dolores, sometimes I notice when Teresa, saw, she's just like, okay, she's checked out.
2: <laughs> so I commented on that because I was doing like a full little sassy recap when I was watching the stories of be like, watch Dolores, watch Dolores' face. And apparently, Dolores said after the fact that the reason she looked so uncomfortable is because she was physically uncomfortable. There was like an issue with her outfit and maybe something else. She felt too constricted. So okay. if you, because her face is so obviously. Uncomfortable, which many of us thought was, you know, because we're watching this fucking thing. I'm thinking she's reacting to Teresa's stuff and being like, not this again, Mm -hmm. not this again. And while I am sure, because I believe Dolores that there was some sort of costuming outfit issue, I would not be surprised if that was not the only reason we were getting some looks. I think it was the reason they were at a 10, but my thinking is probably she's internally feeling maybe a six or a five, but, like, I I don't think that she... She's telling us why she, like, looks that way, but I don't know that she would disagree with some of our interpretations, regardless of her level of discomfort physically.
1: That would explain the general disposition, but, yeah, there are still moments when she speaks and Teresa looks at Dolores, and Dolores is just
2: done
1: yes because i mean she did say months ago that they're done and she just Mm -hmm. let it go i would i would be exhausted listening to that for i don't know how it's been more than a decade or decades because she's known them forever
2: previous to um previous to joining housewives and previous to dolores previous to housewives being a thing and certainly previous to dolores joining i genuinely guys listen not every after show is worth it and Um, While I do not work for Bravo, it is on... Bravo's YouTube which is their handle I believe Bravo TV whatever they have after shows for select franchises that typically start halfway through the season you can watch it on their YouTube page and that is where you can find it I highly I just did like a genuine binge of a bunch of them not all of them but uh, several weeks worth of the after of the multi-part after show and it was highly interesting I was like oh this is they were giving a lot there was a lot of stuff coming that I thought um was really interesting. Listen, you know, I'm always interested for your thoughts, Michael Arsenault. I love to talk to you. Are you watching VPR? We can't get into it. I but am. Like, I okay, am. great. You're coming back literally yes. in an hour and a half. We need to talk Scandoval. Also, while you are not in the New York City area, I just need to say that our pal Dylan Hafer and I are doing a Scandaball spritz. That's right. Andy's Girls Live is back. It's only the third time that we have done a live show IRL here in New York. And you can get a ticket to watch wherever because we're doing a live stream. And you don't even have to watch it live. You can watch it on demand after the fact. So it's very time zone friendly. Get your tickets at thegreenroom ticks.com. $20 ticket in person and live stream online and that link to get tickets is in the show notes for this episode again this live show extravaganza is thursday may 18th at 7 p.m eastern that is the day after the vpr Finale. I'm so excited. And what brings me so much joy about doing in person events is to meet AGs and Bravoholics. So bring your Bravo bestie, come solo. You will meet and bond and mourn and celebrate all things Scandival. We will also definitely be talking a little bit of NJ. And I would love to meet people in person. So if you're thinking about getting a ticket, just get one. It's the number one way to support the continuation of doing these live tickets, live events. So hope to see you guys there at the AG Scandabell Spritz on Thursday, May 18th at seven o'clock at the green room 42 here in New York city, Michael Arsenault. That was my 19 minute ad for this live show. I mean, we love live shows. And as someone who went to school for musical theater performance, there is nothing that makes me happier genuinely than combining my interest and background and major in thoughts and feelings with being on a stage and talking bravo. And it is something that I selfishly love to do. I thrive off of energy and people and connection and curiosity. And I would love to keep doing these events, but we need to, you know, ensure that people are in those seats and getting those tickets on the live stream to make sure that this keeps on happening. So guys hope to see you there again, Thursday, May 18th, get your tickets now at the green room, link in the show notes, me and Dill, and maybe Michael Arsenault will live stream in. Maybe we'll do a little something that I haven't even discussed with you. Maybe that'll happen.
1: <laughs> in oh, yeah. the
2: meantime, Michael Arsenault, you always bring so much to the conversation and I just love, To hear you talk and to hear your perspective because it's always so nuanced and so funny and so smart. So you know that you are welcome back anytime. And we should do a VPR conversation. Bring me back.
1: Please bring me back for that.
2: Because I need to get your thoughts. Listen, the new episode this week, then finale next week, then AG Live Day after, and then reunion three parts allegedly. Like we have to, I'm going to book you for a weekend episode. We will have to have a deep dive talk.
1: I have many thoughts. Please bring me around. Thank you for having me as always.
2: Uh, Michael Arsenault, a pleasure. Tell the AGs where they can follow you and support and buy your incredible books, both of which I have and have read, uh, which are, I believe, on display, on display, on display each and every day, every, every day, day, every day. Every day, um, I mean, uh, it is a bop. Maybe that should inspire a sweatshirt, a la um, some Atlanta housewives. We could do a little sweatshirt for Melissa G, pop style.
1: She'll at least get it out there. Um, Thank you, Sarah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) She will will bring it to market. She will bring it to market.
1: I'm too old for my name now. I just had a birthday, but Young, (gasps) S-I-N-I-C-K, Young Cynic. Um, And if you like books, please buy mine. Thank you.
2: amen do you have any preferred independent bookstores or booksellers that you'd like ags to support anybody that comes to mind
1: um only specific cities but like off the top uh, reparations bookstore in la um cool. any indie bookstore Great. actually save the indies yes, uh,
2: save the indies oh my god
1: so thank crazy. you sarah
2: my pleasure. Thank you for coming on. This is always such a delight. Guys, join the Andes Girls Patreon. Number one way to support the pod, <laughs> aside from going to that live show, which I would really appreciate. Patreon.com slash Girls. You get exclusive bonus episodes and so much more. There's some Salt Lake shit that came out in page six today. Mm-hmm. Gonna unpack it this week on Patreon. I got some thoughts about New Jersey that we didn't get to, and I just need to have a little bit of a spiral about... Something that's sort of been discussed on the after show, and I've been listening to Teresa and Melissa's pods. I didn't listen to the Gia episode yet, but I look forward to that. So I need to do a deep dive into some of my thinking there and unpack all of your satchels of gold. So look for that on the Andy Skrulls Patreon, patreon.com/slash Girls. Follow me on social at Dame Galley, Michael Arsenault. A pleasure as always. I die for you. I adore you. You have the greatest of minds and i'm always always very honored when you come on ag so thanks for coming back
1: feeling is mutual thanks again for having me
2: all right guys hope you're all doing okay um you know more to come with this kim and croy mishigas really got me heated got me hot to start this episode so we'll see what the fuck the next couple days bring but i say i do to more of this kind of conversation. <laughs> Unless I don't. We'll save that for divorce court. All right, guys, on that note, thanks for listening and we will chat with you soon. Bye bye.